All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Small Council Radio. So this will be uh, a bit of a quicker episode. I am still on deployment, uh, and though they said I have a break, that never actually means that I really have a break, so I could be called at any second. So just to make sure that we can get this episode done, we're going to jump right into everything. Uh, you know, so we're going to be talking about all the stuff that was teased a while ago and that we saw a lot of the stats for. But we kind of, uh, two reasons why we wanted to wait to do, like, to talk about it. One, we were trying to get through our series of all the different 2021 updated stuff for all the factions. But also, I wanted to kind of talk about all these once we had the context of all of the information, all of the point costs, so that way we can give you guys, you know, the the deep dive like we normally do and not have to, you know, talk about the same things over again um, or just not talk about it all together. So with that said, um, we're going to probably just go by faction. Uh, Tonight, uh, we have with us uh, Spencer and then myself. Thank you so much uh, for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me on. All right. So, like I said, we'll jump right into this. Uh, first one we're going to talk about, probably the one of the biggest controversy, controversial ones, which is Cold Hands. Um, so he has five. Uh, he is a, a solo cavalry. He is a five-inch move. He has a three-up to hit with four dice a four-up defense with a two-up morale. Uh, he has Eye of the Crow, which uh, is kind of the cavalry rule combined with uh, another rule, and it's that he has four wounds, has free maneuver or retreat action at the start of his activation. And if this unit is destroyed at the start of the next round, you may read up fully within short range of any flank table edge. Then he has the Order Raven Flock, when an enemy in long performs an attack action before resolving that attack, that attack suffers minus one to hit. Um, and if I didn't already say, uh, he was revealed to be four points. And uh, he does have the um, special rule that he cannot be included in an army that has Vengeance Stark. So, um, yeah, uh, I would say almost an auto-include in every single Night's Watch list. A four-point activation that always comes back, so similar to an NCU, but you could still run three NCUs plus him, and now you have a guaranteed four activations for four points each. Granted, that's if you take three four-point NCUs that never go away. Now, granted, Cold Hands give you a point every time he dies, but I mean, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I I think he is that amazingly good that you're, he's basically an auto-include um, and that minus to hit. Now, it you know, the more I look at it, the more it's not as crazy as I thought. It's an order that's only going to apply for one instance of one attack. But with that said, that's not to, like... Uh, downgrade the the potential of that order you, know, you put that order on some vets for a minus two with counter-strike i mean uh 
the other downside to that is you use this order after they've already decided to perform that attack. So you, I mean, it, you would, even if you see it coming, you would have to decide to not attack at all, uh, just in case they use the use the order. Um, Spencer, what do you think of this guy here? Uh, I don't think he's basically an auto-include. I think he is an auto-include. Um, he provides so much value. Like you said, he comes back. He's basically an NCU that he does give up victory points, but his stat line is really good for a four-point solo. Um, I, his order works against ranged attacks and close combat. Uh, it really it has very minor downsides. Like you said, it is one attack. But the, across the game, they reduced free attacks, so it's not as easy to get multiple attacks anyway. Um, yeah, I I don't know much to say other than he's probably an auto-include in almost 95-plus percent of your Night's Watch list. I, I don't quite understand why Night's Watch keep getting these cheap attachments, but they do, and they're really good. So, yeah. Yeah, and... Um, and we'll talk about it in a second. Uh, I'll just briefly mention it, but, you know, Samwell, uh, Tarly, NCU giving uh, uh, Gilly as basically a once-per-game free uh, activation. You know, you combine that with Cold Hands here for four points, combined with cut, uh, Conscripts for four points. You have many different four-point NCUs you can choose from. You have the marshal for four points, and you have a uh, watch captain for three. Uh, I mean, again, I'm going to stress it again. I just don't understand how it can be uh, a an elite faction when you give them so many amazing options at four points or less. Uh, and the only reason, uh, you know, to, that I say that he's basically an auto-include is that you still have the amazing conscripts at four points. So I would say in some lists, even though this guy keeps coming back, you might just want the extra bodies. Uh, and so that's, I think, the only time that you're really not going to run him. Um, but this, I mean, this guy is amazing, which, I mean, if conscripts weren't a thing, uh, I mean, oh, and I forgot to mention Ghost. You know, Ghost for three points. If you take John Commander, now you, it's just a three-point investment. You know, you don't even have to worry about paying the two points for attachment, John. Um, I mean, it gets a little nutty. And, you know, again, I'll mention it, how basically the entire faction got a point reduction. Only one thing in the entire faction got a point increase. I just I just don't see how this faction is supposed to be the elite faction. Uh, personally, I would say cold hands as is needs to be five points, um, and then we'll reevaluate from there uh, because of how amazingly good he is. And then I would say turn a lot of their NCUs into five pointers, uh, conscripts. I would say more than this, but let's just say a five-point unit with adaptive. Um, and you've, 
uh, and then change the watch captain. Just be one point and give boldness and courage. Just get rid of the relentless part of it, you know. And I think all all of that will really push Night's Watch to be more into the elite uh, side of things. So yeah, unfortunately, with all those with all these cheap activations, they're and they they're getting all the benefits of an elite faction without any of the drawbacks. Um, I'm also more of the philosophy of I would rather make something too weak and buff it by like like I would have started cold hands with five points personally from a design point of view. And if you go it's too weak, then look at tweaking it rather than it being like busted good from the get go. That's just my personal philosophy of how I would design it. But obviously Simon doesn't agree. Yeah, and again, it's hard to say because uh, Cold Hands, I believe, was in the leaked file. And so uh, you never know. Again, a lot of this stuff might have been released before it before it's, uh, was really meant to be, you know, uh, like finalized, we'll say. But, you know, just got to, you know, I got to say kind of how what I've been thinking when I saw this guy. And, you know, Night's Watch are just kind of in a place that, you know, we saw today, and I wanted to mention this at the beginning, but I forgot, you know, congratulations to Craig uh, from Small Council. He went 4-0 at the qualifier at the Nationals uh in at family time games today they do the finals tomorrow and now they're out of i think 15 or 16 players there's only one night's watch and then granted uh, the gamers haven had restrictions on night's watch even with the restrictions i still considered them the number one faction and i think there's only one or two night's watch out of 22 people i just I think a lot of people think Night's Watch is just in that place that they don't want to be seen running the faction. They don't want a win as Night's Watch under their, you know, belt. You know, because a lot of people, whether or not you agree, are going to have, you know, an asterisk next to it if you win with Night's Watch. Now, I've always been in the mindset, it's a tournament. You, as long as it's legal, run it and don't make someone feel bad for running it you know because it's a tournament it's to be competitive you know you you do what you got to do to win as long as it's not like a win at all costs in the sense of you know bending the rules in such a way that you're basically cheating you know but if it's an available unit an available tactic uh you know by all means use it and do it at a tournament but yeah i don't know um kind of long enough I guess on cold hands but we wanted to start with him for that reason um, because outside of that it kind of goes downhill from there downhill in the sense that everything else kind of seems for the most part you know just fine and fun uh, from what it you know from what it looks like so next up we'll talk about cold hands uh, the infantry attachment he is one point. Again, can't be fielded with Benjamin Stark. He has the Order Sentinel. Or no, sorry, uh, that's the Calvary. Um, he has the Order Outflank and Pathfinder. So may hold this unit off the table. 
Uh, let's see. So now we see our second uh, outflank in the game that can attach to any unit. So that could be Bastard Girls as well. Uh, and then it would give them the ignore uh, dangerous, hindering, and rough keywords. Because um, previously, the only thing that could do that was Davos Commander. Um, but now uh, this cold hand, because uh, every other thing, it was a unit that had the outflank, or it was the Reaver Captains who could only go in Greyjoy units. Um, so yeah, it's, I think some of these combos, uh, you know, you could make outflank work. Um, but a lot of times it can be tricky. What do you think uh, of Cold Hands here for one point? Um, he's good. He's interesting. Uh, unfortunately, outflank, I think, is kind of so iffy that you're not really seeing it that much, in, uh, really. Um, you'll see it in, like, fun games, because why not? But I do, I do look at it, and I go competitive standpoint. It's it's a complicated thing to use. Um, that's fine. I, I still think, he, considering what you see, like you said, with the Reaver Captain being one point, why is he getting Outflank and Pathfinder? Uh, just, just again, why, why do Night's Watch seem to get attachments and units and stuff that are better than their points? Whatever. So, uh, <laughs> I don't think he's going to be a problem, <laughs> even though he is better yeah. than his points. So, like, some might argue, oh, well, you know, Reaver Captain, you can... Uh, you know, you have multiples, you know, let's say two, I think it's limit two, but I don't really see it as a plus um, because Reaver Captains already have the downside that they have to go in a Greyjoy unit. And who's who's bringing more than one outflank? I mean, you could, but it's hard enough to plan your strategy around getting one on the board, let alone having two. <laughs> so, yeah, I agree. Him having... Him as is is fine. I don't. Th I think he's fine at one point. It's just funny how, like you mentioned, Reaver captains just have outflank. Uh, I mean, they do ignore attachment restrictions, so I guess that is something else. But, uh, but yes, Night's Watch. We have been told in the past that Night's Watch generally have attachments that are worth more than their points indicate compared to other factions and that was supposed to be in the justification of the fact that it's an elite army and so you pay more of a you know i mean this this, could more have your this is yeah this could have changed though you know from what they've said because i know the their development process evolves as you know as time goes on but originally you know they had discussed that night's watch was an elite faction and you're going to pay more kind of more of a premium for your unit, but you're going to get it paid off by bringing an attachment to kind of level things out, which would be fine. But as we've seen, the night's watch units are all, you know, better or they're like, I wouldn't, I would say they're like top of their point brackets for most of them. And some of them are, you know, just, too good for their point bracket, and then you have these attachments that are worth more than their point bracket on purpose, but now going, so it's just, it's compounded to make these units so crazy good, but 
uh, you know, kind of getting off topic. Uh, overall, uh, I'd like hands. to point out. I'd like to point out one thing real quick before we move on. This guy is literally Davos Commander. Literally, outflanking Pathfinder. That's all Davos Commander gets, and he has it for one point. <laughs> so you're saying my commander is only worth one point? <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose that is uh, a little crappy, you know, because the commander <laughs> should. It's I supposed think, to be two be to three points. Easy two points, like, if not three. And, yeah, you point out perfectly that he literally is the same as Davos for one point. <laughs> All right, moving on, we have Sam Samuel Tarly uh, for two points. Sorry, the point costs are not next to the, the abilities. He comes with the order battle plan, start of any turn. Discard two tax cards to search your tactics deck for any one card and add it to your hand and shuffle your tactics deck. And then he has bookkeeping. As long as he's on the battlefield, increase your tactics hand's uh, size limit by one. You start the game with four cards and may draw up the four cards when refilling your hand. So overall, um, I think he's good. For, I mean, for two points, you know, because... Increasing your hand size can be a big deal, especially in Night's Watch when, you know, you have all these cards that just attach, 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 and make your units crazy strong. You know, it's, I think, uh, where you put him, though, not sure. Maybe vets, I mean, but making, you know, most of your units are seven points, so making a nine-point unit for something that's not really offensive or defensive is kind of risky. Um, but overall, uh, I would say that uh, he's he's fair at two points. It's just uh, context of the faction, I think, is where it's like, you know, the tactics deck is just so amazingly good that it kind of makes him even better. Um, what do you think? Um. I think he's fine for his cost. I just don't think, like you're kind of pointing out, I don't see him seeing play unless it's for fun. I, I just don't think he fits with what Night's Watch are trying to do. And there's much better attachments, as we have said, and as we will continue to say as we go along. Um, I just I look at him and I go, I'd rather pay three points more for his uh, NCU when we get to it. Um, yeah, I, I I don't see it getting played. Unless you're just messing around, unless yeah, I, just, I don't see battle plan coming into effect enough. Discarding two cards to go get a card is awesome. Is can be very good in clutch, in clutch moments. The problem is the Night's Watch deck is so good. You often don't want to pitch two cards to go get a specific one unless it's a very specific scenario. Especially when you have Jora and uh, CU that you can go do that anyways if there's a particular card you need right away um but i mean it suits his character like thematically these are good uh abilities for him maybe not the name battle plan i was gonna um, say um, i don't see him making plans for battle yeah but the just revolving around like the tactics cards i think is you know is fine uh, I think it suits him well. Uh, I think overall he's a nice two-point attachment. It's just going to be hard to find a slot for him 
uh, outside of, as you mentioned, more like casual, friendly games. Not because he's horrible, it's just there's so many great options in Night's Watch that that is the only reason I think he won't really see play. And um, as you pointed out, he's not really optimized for any specific unit. Whereas some of these, like, you go, that would, you know, when you look at the Night's Watch attachments, you go, that would be amazing in this unit. He doesn't have anything that stands out. Yeah, and that's the other thing is, like, he needs to be alive for the bookkeeping because, in my opinion, that's the better part of having him. Um, And you don't want to put him in conscripts because conscripts die easily and they're there to put wounds on other things. Um, Without them, your only other options are seven-point units, really, unless you go with some neutrals, um, which I guess could be an option, but I don't know. Uh, Maybe if you're dead, like if you wanted to run some blackguard, but then again, you're you're talking about an eight-point blackguard unit. So, I don't know. Well, it'll be interesting kind of see where people uh, put them. Uh, Next up, we have Benjamin Stark, uh, infantry attachment for one point. He gives the order Sentinel. uh, After another friendly unit long range is attacked, this unit performs one charge or maneuver action if charging it must target the attacker and ambush enemies in this unit successfully charges in the flank or rear become panicked and weakened um i think uh, a super strong one point attachment ambush i count that as you know just almost like a half a point the ones where you have to get in the flank or rear like ambush and the um is it superior flanking can't remember. It's the one that makes you uh, panicked and vulnerable. Pretty uh, sure superior attacking. Those ones I find very difficult to get off. So, And then Order Sentinel, you know, I'd say he's fine at one point because he's a named character. Uh, obviously, if he was generic, like a generic character, that would be, like, crazy good to be able to just throw Sentinel ambush on, like, all your units. What do you think? Yeah, I think he's fine. Um, I, I actually wouldn't really complain too much about him. Like you said, uh, ambush is very situational. I do think he could thrive in ranger hunters, but ranger hunters already have several options, good, great options for attachments. I don't know. Will he replace what is it, the hardened ranger or whatever? I, I don't know if he'll replace one of them. He's nice. Um, Again, I don't know if he'll see play just because I think Cold Hands is going to always be in play in some form. I don't know if he'll <laughs> if he'll make the cut often. He's nice though. Not much yeah, to, I mean, to say. You're obviously taking him for that Sentinel order, but um, you know that free maneuver could be pretty big. Um, but you know, overall, uh, a decent uh, one point attachment. Uh, Next up, we have Cold Hands uh, Cavalry Attachment for one point, who gives Sentinel an intimidating presence, arguably one of the best. I wouldn't say the best, but it's up there as one of the best uh, abilities, which is uh, enemies engaged with this unit suffer minus one to morale test rolls and plus one wound from failing panic tests. So for one point, that is crazy good. Um, And... As we'll uh, discuss, um, 
them, you know, they have the Ranger Vanguard now that he could go in. Because, I mean, obviously you're not going to put him Flademan because, you, you know, give them Sentinel. Um, but, I mean, you could even put him in uh, some, whatchamacallit, uh, Hedge Knights. Hedge Knights. Um, or, or even, Bloody you know, yep, Zorse Riders. Riders. I would say um, the only reason I say Zorse Riders is, uh, you know, that six-inch move really, you know, for that Sentinel could be huge. Uh, and that intimidating presence, like that free maneuver with Sentinel could get you in that flank to start triggering those uh, their effects now. And then the intimidating presence in the flank will then let you do your attacks at minus two plus one. Um, but even, like we said, uh, Hedge Knights, you know, because uh, if you can get either the money bag or the combat zone with those guys com- combined, or combined with Sentinel Intimidating Presence could be huge as well, all for one point. Yeah, he's uh, he's at least worth two points wrapped up in only a one-point attachment. It's He's incredible. Um, like we just mentioned, the three options, you could put him in the Vanguard, you could put him in the Hedge Knights or in the Zorus Riders. All three, I think, have vi- are a viable option, and all three of them will only be eight points for that unit. Uh, there's there's a lot you can do with that. Uh, this is this is kind of the other reason where I was like, even if you're not taking the cold hand solo, I think this is the other one that this is the version of cold hands you'll see if he's not the solo. Um, very very good. Again, I'm going to point out again, Baratheons have an attachment, Dragonstone Noble, one point for just Sentinel. He's getting intimidating presence for free. Yeah. Yep. Uh, okay. Now, now the Dragonstone Noble is limit two, so you could have two of them. But I mean, what are the odds that you're going to run two cavalry units and run both of them with a no? Like I've never, I've seen the attachment. I've seen plenty of double solos, but I've never once seen two attachment Dragonstone Nobles. Well, it's also. I've tried multiple games having having multiple units with Sentinel. It gets a little clunky at times when you're like, crap, I want to trigger both of you, but you both can't trigger from this one attack. It gets clunky at yeah. times, so you normally don't want more than one anyway. Yeah. So overall, again, I mean, we mentioned that, but I, I'm pretty sure all that's by design. You know, they designed it to have the attachments be, you know, basically 50% more effective. So you're looking at, like, you know, a point and a half uh, for this unit. And now, like you said, the Dragonstone Noble is, uh, you know, Intimidating present by itself is the one point. You could argue the Sentinel is the half a point, but obviously for the Dragonstone Noble, having just Sentinel, you can't just do half a point, so I think they more so just rounded it up for that in that instance. But I feel but like Sentinel's if you're going to do a half amazing... point, you could have buffed the Dragonstone Noble with another half point ability. Like, there is an easy fix yeah. for that. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. So I could see, like, of all of the attack... Uh, um, 
or I wouldn't say of all of them, but of so many different Calvary attachments, I would say this one could easily be a two-point and still see play, whereas you, know, you, you compare it to like the, um, the Clegane Butcher for uh, Calvary attachment for two points, and I just, I can't even fit him in a list even when I try. Like, you know, even with uh, the, the Brigands, which we'll talk about in a moment, um, you know, it's still, I can't justify two points for those abilities. Whereas something like this, Cold Hands with Intimidating Presence of Sentinel, I could still easily see myself paying two points for this. I mean, I wouldn't pay it that often, but at one point, I almost feel like if I'm running any cavalry that's not uh, Flademan, I'm probably going to be running him if I don't already have a need for any of the other versions of Cold Hand or Benjen Stark. That's kind of what I was getting at. I was like, unless I'm running Benjen Commander or the Cold Hand Solo, this guy's probably in my list. Yeah. So, um, yeah, amazing attachment. Um, let's see, moving on. What the do MCUs. we have next? Yep, NCU. So first one we'll talk about is Craster at four points. So they gave him a different version than the Free Folk one, which I think was a, a nice uh, change, though I'm going to say that I absolutely love the Free Folk one way better. Um, I've used this Craster a handful of times in uh, testing. Um since it's been uh, revealed. And my nephew, who plays Night's Watch, has, uh, this when this got leaked, uh, I don't know if you'd call it revealed, but leaked, he wanted to play it a handful of times. And I have to say, I definitely, I don't know, point NCU with the way he is right now. Anyways, uh, so I'll mention what he has. He has, um, when Craster claims the following zones, their effects gain. So when you claim the wealth, instead of restoring wounds from one unit, you may restore three wounds total across any number of friendly combat units. Uh, if you claim the combat zone, target the targeted unit counts as having plus one remaining rank for determining attack dice. And the maneuver zone, uh, the targeted unit moves with a plus one move. Um, I mean very he adds so little uh, in my opinion that plus one move I mean it's plus one move can it make a difference? Certainly in very rare occasion um, it's not even like it's adding it to like a march where like you march now you're getting two extra inches out of it you're just getting one uh, extra inch from a maneuver um, the attack that one could be decent um, plus one rank, but often, more often than not, that's just one or two extra dice. Uh, and then the heal, usually the only time you take that heal is because your unit's dead, like is dying, and you need to get it healed up enough to where they can survive another attack, let alone wanting to divvy up those wounds. Now, I feel like these would be fine if maybe, um, I don't know, maybe if the wealth healed one extra wound and the maneuver zone was a uh, plus two move or something. I think the attack one would be fine at plus one rank. Um, 
it can be a lot more useful. But uh, what do you think? I think you will never see him unless you're just messing around. Uh, there's too many good four-point attachments. Uh, Jorah Mormont, even all the neutral ones, Peter and Tycho specifically, there's so much more value out of them than there is out of this guy. Uh, I don't even think the attack is worth very good, much. Um, I go, you have cards, or you have bol- access to boldness and courage in a couple ways. You also have, uh, what is it, Light That Brings to Dawn that attacks at max rank. Uh, I don't, I, this isn't a four-point NCU. Like you said, this is probably a three-pointer. Um, I don't see him getting played. And I wonder if maybe he was designed as a three-point long ago, long before they decided to go to four, and maybe they just, this was one of those NCUs that just kind of fell into four points without getting, like, a change. I don't know. But, yeah, I I ran him a handful of times and against him a handful of times, and never once did he even come close to feeling like he was worth his points. Um, all right. Next up, we have Samuel Tarley, NCU, for five points. He is uh, knowledge is power. Increase your tactics hand size limit by one. At the start, um, you start the game with four cards. You may draw up the four cards when refilling your hand. And then Gilly, who is costs zero points, um, NCU, and may only be fielded in an army including Samuel Tarley. Craven Scholar. So they call out the NCU in particular. So you can't just run any version of Samwell. You have to run the five-point NCU, one that we just uh, went over. And her ability is Gilly may only be activated once per game. Um, Now, before we talk about Sam, I do want to address, um, so the way Gilly is worded, Technically, if you go by the the verbiage, um, she basically has to activate round one, and then she can no longer activate the rest of the game. Now, the general consensus online is that it was meant to be that you get to choose when she activates. The problem is the way she's worded, nothing lets you not activate a unit, and her ability does not say, you know, it just says may only be activated once per game. But then when round one comes around, round one forces her to activate, which then triggers her once per game, essentially. But, you know, uh, hopefully they have an FAQ or at least like a, a, you know, something like on the forums that they address this early. Um, But, I almost guarantee it was, you know, because first round, I mean, your opponent could have three NCUs and you could have three. If they go first, then it basically makes Gilly pointless uh, if she doesn't even have a place to go on the board by the time she activates. Um, I mean, I guess if you only ran Samwell and then her as your second, um, yeah. So I just wanted to point that part out because otherwise she's pretty straightforward. You know, you you can get a free activation, and that was what I was kind of mentioning at at the beginning of the show is that, you know, this is another way for Night's Watch to have basically a free activation, even if it is only for one round in the game. What do you think about Sam and Gilly here? 
So I think Sam, for the most part, is fair. Uh, getting that extra activation is huge, but when you look at him and compare him to, like, Tyrion, you're like, Tyrion can get a free counterplot when you need it, and it's when you need it, not, you know, it's the immediate. Um, he gets an extra activation. Is that a fair trade for the same cost? Eh, I think it's close enough that it's not a big deal. And I do think he will compete with other NCU options to actually be competitive. Getting that plus one hand size all the time is extremely good. Pretty much everything else, it's what, Tyrion? And then I think uh, the only other one who does it is is uh, Penrose, and that's when he has to be on the field to do it. So you can kill yep. him. That's it's it's a very good ability. I think he is actually fair though. Uh, he, he's fairly priced, and I do think that they will come out with an FAQ and say no, Gilly can can be activated when you want to not have to do it first turn. Yeah, and uh, I agree. Sam, I think is a great, um, you know. Great NCU for five points. I think very fair, especially in a tactics deck that is so great. Um, and then, if it wasn't for, you know, you know, I would say that it's it's hard to say. So like Sam, Sam is a four point NCU if it wasn't for Gilly. If literally all he does is increase your hand size with no other effect, that's I think fair for four points. But Gilly, I think, uh, you know, it's just a very strong four points. And so I think Gilly is what kind of puts it over to that five-point range. But I think it would be more uh, fair in an army that wasn't meant to be elite. You know, I don't know. Uh, Starks um, come to mind. You know, they're not meant to be elite, in my opinion. Um, Lannisters... uh, you know, pretty much. I think know, the only other elite army in the game is probably Baratheon, and they do not play very well like an elite army. Yeah, they don't so, have the rules to support being an elite army. Yeah, so I, th- what I'm getting at is that the design between Sam and Gilly is awesome. I think very fair. It's just in context with the faction in which you know is supposed to be the elite faction that shouldn't have uh, more ways to get these activations. Now, again, I've mentioned this in the past. If Simon wanted to just come out and just say, hey, yeah, we kind of changed our mind. We don't want them to be the elite faction. That's fine. Just don't market, market them as the elite faction while not giving them any of the downsides of being an elite faction. So, and as um, a Baratheon player, I would like to see some of these benefits come my way since uh, we are an elite <laughs> faction. Yeah. Um, all right. So, overall, uh, a great design. Uh, just it's because of the faction where I kind of have a problem with the way it kind of operates. All right. So, uh, next up, we have Benjamin Stark, uh, Commander. He has uh, Ambush, which is uh, successfully charges in the flank or rear, becomes panicked and weakened, and enhanced mobility. This unit gains plus one move and may pivot before marching, and he gives the affiliation Ranger. Um, His first card is Hit and Run. 
After a friendly unit completes a melee attack, that unit performs one retreat action. If this targets a ranger unit, enemies it disengages from becomes weakened. This next one is lying in wait. When an enemy combat unit activates, target one friendly unactivated ranger unit in long range of that enemy that has line of sight. They perform one range attack action on that enemy. Then his last one is hunter's insight. At the start of a friendly turn, target one enemy in long of a friendly ranger unit and choose one. One friendly unit in long of that enemy performs a three inch shift. Friendly units may reroll attack and charge distance dice when targeting that enemy this turn. And that enemy may not use orders or be the target of friendly tax cards this turn. So, uh, with that said, I want to say he's way up there. I would say right behind John and Othel, uh as far as strength. Um, I want to point out that, I mean, I'm sure it's in context with the faction, uh, but a little annoying that his hit and run does not have the stipulation that Rob's hit and run has. Um, Rob's, that every hit and run has. I think he's the only one who ignores it. Oh, okay. So, yeah. The, and, and, you know, again, easily, hands down, the best faction in the game. Uh, maybe it was just something that slipped uh, through the cracks, you know, but it's just a little annoying. Um, that and, like, Rob, it has to be his unit, whereas this could be any ranger unit. Um Lying in Wait, I think, is a nice card. Uh, it's just some of the potential, like you put Benjamin Stark in um, some crossbowmen, I believe. Let's see, an unactivated ranger unit in the long range of that enemy. Uh, so, yeah, you could put Benjamin in them. In, uh, I mean, granted, you wouldn't get much use out of his uh, commander uh, abilities, but it's still something you could do. Um or even uh, like Stormcrow Archers or something. But uh, I think the big one is Hunter's Insight, is that uh, you know enemies may not use orders or be the target of friendly tactics cards this turn. It's a, a big thing. What do you think? So I'm not a huge fan of his actual field commander, Ambush, and Enhanced Mobility. I think it's just okay. Uh, enhanced Mobility is good. Ambush is not so much. Um so I'm not too big on that, but his cards, oh, jeez, they're so good. Like you were saying, Hunter's Insight, it is an amazing toolbox card. Oh, I need to get closer to make this charge more likely. I can shift. I need to re- – I think I can make the charge, but I, w- I have to go through terrain or something. Oh, I'll take the re-roll and re-roll attack die. Uh, I should easily make this charge. Let's shut off their orders, and they can't be the target of friendly tactics cards. Yeah, I'll take all that. <laughs> um, that that's just a great card. Uh, lying in wait is probably his. Wor- I want. I hesitate to say his worst card because it is really strong, but it does have to be an unactivated unit. They have to be in long range. They have to have line of sight, and it's only a ranged attack. There's still options: ranger hunters and uh, ranger trackers. Both of them, you know, they're only uh, they're ranger units already, and they have short range attacks. So if they start within short range, you can already just shoot them just because. Like you said, there are long-range options. Putting him in, say, Bastard Girls, Benjamin Stark, uh, yeah. They'll take a free shot and then charge you. 
on your turn. Um, yep. And then, like we said, Hit and Run, he has a far better version of Hit and Run than anybody else has. Yeah, so there's not much to dislike here other than his commander, which I do think Bastard Girls might be his place, honestly. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot of good there. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you could even, you know, with Ranger Hunters, you could even take the combat zone, use a uh, free attack, let's say you're engaged, and you use the free attack, use the strike, retreat, then use the quick fire, shoot, and then when that unit who might not be able to even uh, um, pivot or and become and might uh, be weakened if you have like the hardened ranger in there, um, you now uh, what should we call it? They go to activate before you can do something, like before you can then activate and finish them off, and you play this card or you play the um, the lying in wait because you're still unactivated, and then you just finish them off, free attack. You've gotten a free attack from the board. You've gotten a free attack from quick fire. You've gotten a free attack from lying in wait, and they're a dead unit, and you haven't activated. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. And that combo only off... requires one card and you going first. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, you I have to have been engaged, engaged already, but still. But, yeah. There's, there's so much wrong with this. And that, yep. that doesn't even require an attachment. Like you said, you could put the Hardened Ranger. You could even, if you really want to be nasty, you could put the uh, Watch Captain in a unit of Rangers with this. It's like, all right, I have Boldness and Courage now. I have extra shots to delay my, my, my own activation. And your opponent, it's when it activates. Not when they perform an action. It's when they activate. <laughs> so there's nothing yep. they can do about it because they have to activate. Yep. And... With that said, you can, you know, if you can kill them before they've done anything, that's a wasted activation for your opponent. All right, so uh, don't want to waste too much time on the Night's Watch, so we're going to talk about the last uh, thing real quick here, which is the Ranger Vanguard. Um, so they are a seven-point unit, so right in line with all the other uh, units basically for Night's Watch. They have a six inch move. They have a three up uh, attack with seven five. They have a five up defense and five up morale. Um, they have the cavalry, so free maneuver and three wounds per model. They have uh, ambush, so successfully charged on the flank or rear, become panicked and weakened. Uh, and they have the outflank. Uh, seven points. Um, I want to say that, uh, you know, for once, I think this unit is right where it needs to be. Uh, I think it's completely fair at seven points. Uh, morale, you know, you can maybe argue that be a six, but, I mean, ambush and outflank are very situational, so I am, I think, okay with everything exactly how it is. Uh, and, you know, it has the ranger keyword, which will work with Benjen pretty well. Uh and um, it kind of gives, you know, if you wanted to run an all-thematic, like, ranger list, it kind of rounds out everything quite nicely between, you know, hunters, trackers, and these vanguard. What do you think? Uh, I'm definitely going to second. I think these are 
you know, they're they're costed right. This this is about what it should be. Um, there's options to put them in there. I mean, with that five up morale, I've I think you could put the what is it the fortune seeker, the one that gets dauntless and motivated by coin, could make them interesting for one point. Uh, obviously, cold hands could make them interesting for one point. Uh, there's there's some interesting options. I don't know if they're competitive. I do think they're good though. Uh, like we said, they're they're yeah. fairly costed. I I just don't know if they'll see competitive play, but I I do think they're good. Yep. It would be kind of cool to see if maybe outflank get like an additional ability. You know, kind of like Sentinel. How Sentinel actually used to just be the free charge. Basically, it was basically counter charge. Um, but they added that free maneuver part in there. Uh. It'd be kind of cool to see if, like, outflank, like, if you don't outflank them, that at the start of the game, before the game starts, you may make a, a free three-inch shift or something. So it basically, like, extends your deployment three inches. Uh, I think that actually would be a really cool change. That actually sounds because, good. Because there's a because, lot of times where know, it's like, I have outflank, and I don't want to use it. And it's like, great, I got nothing from this ability at all. Well, especially if you have multiple outflank. Because I was just the reason that kind of popped in my head is because I was about to say because when you were talking about them, you know, is uh, you're probably only ever going to see one of these guys, which is a little unfortunate because the models are actually really cool. I uh, like the you know out of all the ranger options, this one seems the most like um, iconic. Like this is what I think of when I think of rangers. I think of you know rangers on horseback with melee weapons. You know, not the ranger hunters or ranger trackers, not that that they don't do those things, but this is just what I think of. So the fact that they have, they're paying so much for this ambush and outflank in their point cost, uh, you're probably only ever going to see one of them. But you could then, you know, if you wanted to run two, you would be like, okay, I'll outflank one of them, and the other one I can start on the table, get a free three-inch shift, maybe I even get... Um, you know, um, watch around the wall and get another, uh, once something gets attacked, obviously get another two inch, uh, pseudo, um, maneuver. I think, I just just think it brings a whole lot, not just to this unit, to any outflank that would bring a lot, a, a lot more new tactical options for you to just be like, okay, instead I'll just take my three shifts instead of outflanking like that, that I think actually would be fair and really good all around. And, you know, three inches, I mean, granted, if you're deploying uh, 10, a three-inch shift isn't going to break anything. And if you're deploying 18 and your opponent deploys 18, I mean, that three-inch shift is almost going to mean nothing. <laughs> um, but it gives you a little extra play, I, I think, um, to something, something like that. But... Anyways, um, so moving on, let's see. We'll go with Free Folk because they're the next biggest uh, batch of new stuff. Um, They just have uh, the Hero Box, which has two different uh, giants. But first we'll talk about the thing I can't find anywhere. Where did you go? I know I posted it. There's so many slides. Uh, The Frozen Shore Chariots. Uh, again, still looking for it. Um, but it was revealed that it is 
four points. Now I'm going to say, there it is. Uh, I'm going to say that I'm in the boat that I think they might be worth four points, but I would not be overly like disappointed or crazy, like, you know, try to die in the hill of if people wanted to argue five points. Uh, I'm kind of in that boat. But they have a six-inch move, four dice hitting on uh, – is that four dice? This image is so bad. Yeah, four dice hitting on fours with a five-up defense and five-up morale. They have the order swift retreat. After an enemy completes a melee attack on this unit, they can perform one retreat action. Uh, deadly impact. Uh, when charging, they gain Thundering and Vicious and deal plus one hit for each of the defender's remaining ranks. And they have the Chariot rule, which is an innate ability, which gives them six wounds. And at the start of their activation, they can perform a free maneuver action. So, um, very glass cannon. You know, I know they have the five-up morale, so they're not, you know, they're not going to completely explode like... Uh, Freedmen, but um, with only six wounds and a five-up defense, uh, a lot of times, you know, if they have a vulnerable token on them, that morale is probably going to mean almost nothing if, you know, they have, you know, let's say you get charged with a unit with Sundering and you're vulnerable, I mean, you're basically dead because you need sixes with re-rolls. Um, or you're maybe surviving with a wound. So, But the upside is these guys are so fast that they should be able to get one attack off, like one charge off before they die. But, again, they're four points. So, I mean, you're looking at, you know, two of these guys. If two of these guys, if you can charge with them and take out half of a unit and then have another one charge and then take out the other half, I mean, even if that was eight points combined, I mean, that's... That's still a good uh, trade-off. What do you think of these guys? So I'm in the boat that I think this is actually a five-point unit. I just look at this and I go, with its speed, it should be choosing the engagement. So it'll get the charge off first. Uh, six wounds is something that can get taken out pretty easily. Uh, so I, it is fragile. But if you don't kill it in one go, it's Swiss Retreat and then charges you again. Uh I think it's it's definitely a five-point unit. When I compare it even to just a Haracker for the Targaryens, I think they're actually pretty even. Uh, the Haracker is more durable, but on the charge, this has Sundering and Vicious. Uh, I think they're about even, and it should be five points, and I think you will see plenty of them while they're at four points. Oh, yeah. I mean... I was only going to buy one box, but I'm probably going to buy two now, because two come in a box... Um, I don't think I'll go as crazy as like some people and you know buy six or eight of them, but uh, I think you know, and I don't even know if I'd run all four if I bought two boxes, but I could definitely that see myself maybe trying hard. out like maybe three of them, you know, at four points. I think three think would be the two, max, but I think you will see it at least two in some in many lists. Yep. You just have to ask yourself if you need that speed because, you know, having four-point uh, raiders that are insignificant and a free attachment, you know, is um, – sorry, I was about to yawn. been up uh, quite a while. But four-point raiders with insignificant and a free attachment is so good of a unit. It's hard to 
lose out on that to have these. Now, Grant, you could have both, but then, I mean, that's that's going to take up a good chunk of your army if you're going to run a bunch of raiders and a bunch of these, but it definitely could still be viable. All right. Um, I could, next up. Sorry. I could see two of each, two raiders and two of these. That's 16 points, but it's four activations of your army, plus maybe two, uh, two uh, NCUs. You have already six activations and 16 points still to work with to fill out your army. You You could do pretty good with that. Yeah, exactly. 16 points, you're looking at three five-pointers um, and a one-point attachment or something. And then you can use the um, regroup and reform to throw those attachments from the raiders into the two other five-point units. Or maybe not both, because you have to be your commander in one. But still, um, definitely lots of options. That's, I think, why Free Folk is my second favorite faction to play at the moment. They have, no, in my opinion, no bad unit. I feel like I have so much creative ability Trappers. when I make lists. Yeah, I suppose there, that is the one, uh, you know, uh, redheaded stepchild. Sorry to all you redheads out there. I don't have anything against you. But, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, overall, great unit. I think it's going to be a, uh, a steal at four points. Again, I I would not, uh, you know, lose any sleep if they went to five points. Um, all right, next up we're going to talk about uh, Juan Juan. Uh, he is uh, one of the giants in the Free Folk uh, Hero Box 2. He's eight points. He's a five move with a six dice hitting on threes, a three-up defense, and a four-up morale. He has the Order War Cry, start of a friendly turn, uh, this unit performs one morale test on a success. Target one enemy in long range. It becomes panicked and vulnerable. He has an innate uh, melee abilities, which is critical blow and sundering, so you cannot take those away. And he also has the innate uh, giant ability, which is six wounds, and then can only ever suffer one wound for every two unblocked hits from any attack or effect. And this unit can only suffer a maximum of two wounds from failing panic tests. Um, He's one, so one. He's eight points, so one more point than a normal giant, and I think he is every bit worth that extra point. Um, I know, you know, the normal giant would do all those auto wounds, uh, but let's just say he only used Warcry to on the enemy he attacks. So you're looking at six dice hitting on threes, critical blow thundering, especially if you charged. They're panicked and vulnerable. Uh, and you're still getting all the benefits of the giant rule while having a better defense. I mean, this guy is going to be a powerhouse. What do you think? I think he's, yeah, I, I would agree. I think for one point more over a regular giant, he brings, because of his consistency, he doesn't need to be wounded to do all the extra damage. I, and he's got one more armor and morale, I believe. I think he's going to bring a whole lot to the table for one more point. Now, for the problem is for free folk, you go, that's a heavy investment, eight points. That's two of those chariots. That's two raiders. I think he's really good. You definitely, he might be the only expensive thing you run, though. Uh, I don't think anything else would go above five points. Like, I don't think you would have attachments unless it's a raider unit. He's going to be the one focal point of this is my big boy. Um. I do think he's worth the eight points. In general, though, I just don't like that 
all giants can be one-shotted by a dragon. That just really bothers me. <laughs> um, yeah. But that's a problem more with the dragon, not with the giant. Uh, I think he's plenty good, and he will do lots of good things. Uh, that three-up armor, he is not going to go down easy. Uh, he can do damage. He's got a lot. Uh, definitely interested to see him on the table. Well, and, you know, also with uh, him counting, you know, he's a giant, so, you know, he's a solo unit. He counts uh, ranks for contesting and controlling equal to his wounds. So it's pretty uh, a pretty big deal, you know, that you count as six ranks, essentially. You know, you charge into something if they've already activated – you, and granted, this, I'm talking like early game, you basically auto-contest them with six ranks, assuming, you know, you didn't get hit with some, you know, awful shots from the sky. But uh, it is also nice that they call, I forget if they uh, did that in the past, but um, that the giant rule calls out attack or effect. So let's say it be a big investment but if you sat him on one of the objectives for uh honed and ready and being shot by the castle walls you know you're blocking two hits uh from every one of those shots uh and then or sorry you're having all the shots that are against you and getting that three up save if something doesn't have critical blow and they're trying to go after one one i mean they're going to kind of just bounce off of him and then you mean thundering not critical blow Sorry, yes, uh, Sundering. If you don't have Sundering, I mean, you're pretty much just going to bounce off this guy. Uh, now you could get his flank. You know, getting the flank of a solo is not super hard. But in a free folk faction, if, assuming this is your only big investment, you have a bunch of other stuff, chances are you're going to be able to make sure that he's not ever flanked. Now I would highly, highly suggest taking Craster NCU if you're going to run him. Uh, that clutch two-wound heal at the start of a uh, friendly turn from Craster once per game is priceless, and then he himself can replace his own and heal two more to 1-1. One, one. Um, then we have Mag the Mighty. Uh, he has a five move, a four-up defense, four-up morale. He has a three up, uh, seven dice with three up to hit. Um, the giant special rule, so six wounds, uh, only suffers wound for every two unblocked hits from attack or effect, and max of two wounds from failing panic tests. And then he has an innate melee ability of vicious, and defenders do not roll defense dice. When mag is destroyed before being removed, he performs one chieftain's fury attack, which is the name that gives, the name of the ability of for the vicious and no defense dice. Um, and he is nine points. Now, I won't go to his cards just yet because he provides an entire tactics deck uh, that replaces the Free Folk tactics deck. But you can either take him at nine points by himself as just non-commander, or you can take him as the commander for nine points. Now, we're talking strictly non-commander. Uh, again, I think he is worth nine points. Seven dice hitting on threes. Let's say you... Um, charged, and you hit, let's say you still miss with one, but that's six dice, no saves. That's six wounds, you're just 12 guys total, now you're down to six because you lost six, now you're taking a vicious panic test. Uh, and if by chance you somehow 
one-shot him, and then he takes you. He gets a free attack. He could take you down with him. Um, I know nine points for Freak Folk is a crazy price uh, investment, but I actually think he's uh, worth it at that price. What do you think, Spencer? So, do I think he is worth the nine points? Probably. My issue is dragons are eight points and are probably just as good as this guy for first eight points. And now he is the only unit in the game that is more than eight points. I almost feel like he should have been eight points. And if they had to nerf him, nerf him. Uh, yeah, this, to me, this doesn't feel good to have him be the only eight pointer in the game. Uh, that being said, he will hurt. Nine, you mean? Nine points. He is going to hurt things. You will not be happy when he charges you because what he hits is going to feel it. Um, yeah, it won't be pleasant. You will not be happy. But you also have to look at it as he's nine points. Paid for this heavy swinger, heavy swing. Um, you can mitigate the chieftain, uh, his attack on death by attacking or killing him out of combat. Uh yeah, I don't know quite what to say. I would want to see him on the table a couple times to see how he actually performs to see is he worth that eight or nine point uh, investment. I think he could be, but I don't know. And when I see dragons, I've seen dragons enough times at eight points to go, you know, straight up the full eight points to go. I don't know if he's significantly better than them to not have been eight points himself. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely see the argument that maybe he should uh, um, be eight points when you compare him to like a dragon, uh, especially you know a dragon has a four up save, but a two up morale, I believe, maybe a three up morale. I'm um, even just looking at the damage. Average damage says I should do five un uh, unsaved hits, meaning my opponent can shield wall them, they can harden them. They can still block them, whereas a dragon yep. on average should do five, and you can't do anything about it. And yep. they both have and vicious. Yep. And the dragon's faster and has a free maneuver. Um, I, I see them as equal, and yet he costs one more point. That's my argument. And you can only run one of him. You can run three dragons. I think, like, uniqueness should uh, sometimes have a small factor. You know, when you can duplicate something over and over and over, I think it should be considered to be more powerful uh, when compared to something you can only ever take one of. Um, and then to kind of segue into his commander version, before I get into his cards, I just want to mention uh, he's nine points still as the commander. I understand that he needs to cost something. I think he should be, now that we've discussed it, I think maybe he should be eight points. I think if you run him as a commander, he should get a two-point discount. He should be six points as a commander. Uh, I think you're still paying for a commander. I know he's swapping out the whole deck, but in my opinion, uh, this deck is fine. Like It's strong, but it's not nearly as good as the deck you're replacing it for. Um, with that said, you can easily I would agree. Just... I also, in my opinion, 
I think because they've reduced everything to a cost of eight, nothing should go above eight then. That is what, this is what they had in mind is nothing's higher than eight. So why wouldn't you stick with that theme and instead you broke it with him? I also agree his commander should get a discount anyway. It doesn't feel right for your commander to cost nine points. And on top of it, like you said, looking at the deck, it's a strong deck. I don't know if it's strong enough to warrant him having to cost that high as well. Yeah, and I guess what I get at then, unless you want to be super thematic, just run a bunch of monsters, and that's why you run him as your commander, you could literally, because he is no discount, just run his normal version, his normal non-commander version for that same point cost, keep the better deck, and then still get a free commander. Like, by running him for the exact same point cost, you not only are not uh, you're not only are paying the full price for him, but you're losing out on, as we we're kind of mentioning before, two to three points of which your normal free commander would be. It's almost like trying to say that because he gives you this tactics deck, he's worth eleven to twelve points. But um, I'll get right into the card so we can. Uh, use it as context, but first one is shrug it off. When a friendly monster unit performs an action before resolving that action, that unit may replace that action with this unit restores up to three wounds. Next one is blitz. Start a friendly monster's unit activation. This unit becomes vulnerable. Until the end of the turn, that unit gains plus, one, plus two move and may reroll any charge distance dice. Defiant roar. When a friendly monster unit passes a morale test, target all enemies engaged with that unit. They become weakened. Start of friendly monster unit's activation. That unit suffers two wounds. Till the end of the turn, that unit may reroll any attack dice and the defender becomes panicked. Last of their kind, when a friendly giant unit is destroyed, one other friendly giant unit performed, performs one attack or charge action. Monsters from the north, when an enemy in short range of a friendly monster unit activates, that enemy suffers one panic test, minus one to their roll for each friendly monster unit in short range, up to a minus three. On a failure, that unit suffers plus one wound for each friendly monster unit in short range, up to a plus three. Trample, when a friendly giant unit performs the charge action before resolving that action, that unit replaces that charge action with. Pivot that unit, then move it. 10 inches, moving through units. If it ends over a unit, it instead stops one inch away. Each non-solo unit moved through the, that unit would, ha or would have ended on uh, suffered D3 wounds. Overrun, when a friendly combat unit surges forth, instead of searching forth, that unit performs one charge action. Hurl boulder, when a friendly giant unit performs an action before resolving that action, that unit replaces that action with the... Uh, with performing the following ranged attack. It's uh, long range with one die hitting on three. Uh, if the attack generates any hits, so rolling defense dice, the defender suffers D3 wounds plus one for each remaining rank in the unit. And Chieftain's Orders, start of Mag's uh, activation. You may replace that action with when throwing a giant unit in long range performs one action. Start of any turn, draw a card, uh, assuming Mag is dead gives you that option. So, um, let's see. The first thing I want to mention right away is Monsters from the North. Is, um, there's too many. 
Uh, I think that's what it's still called. I believe it. But is. worse. But worse in the sense that it has to be monster units. Uh, I mean, you're already paying a premium for all these units, meaning you have less of them, meaning the chances of this triggering is much less, like, or getting the... Because, I, I mean, how many games of ours where I'm just like, oh, easy, three units, plus three, mi or minus three, plus three. You know, this thing, I mean, you're going to be lucky if you get minus two, plus two in almost all scenarios, and that's on, like, I think on average it's going to be, you know, plus one, minus one, or minus one, plus one. Yeah, it's definitely weaker, but I would like to point out that there's too many is when your opponent's already performing a panic test, whereas this is when they activate and they take a panic test. There's situations where that could be good. Oh, crap, I failed to kill a unit. Oh, I got this card. When they activate, I'll just make them possibly kill themselves. Um, there's tactical options to this. Uh, is it better than there's too many? Probably not, but I still don't think it's a bad card. Chieftain's Orders would be really good if it wasn't for the fact that Mag is easily the strongest attack. Now, granted, he could be not in range to do anything, and maybe, you know, it just kind of gives you that option to forego him doing something. But in a lot of cases, you know, I feel like this card's going to be useless for that reason that you're usually going to want to get the attack with him over another uh, giant or monster. Uh, hang on. Yeah, I would uh, agree. Chieftain's orders, you go most of the time you're going to want him to attack. So that's, that's kind of what you're looking to do. Uh, you can give another giant, maybe you have a giant that is on one wound left, and you're like, oh, he's going to do more damage than even Mag. That could be useful. Uh, I think it's just situationally useful rather than always useful. Um, I mean, the start of any turn, if you don't see it happening, maybe just pitch the card and draw, which isn't exactly a feel-good, but at least it's something you can do. It's an option. Yeah, and so... Let's see. Um, all of these cards are, I mean, they're good. Uh, there's nothing really wrong with them. The only thing is that most of the deck revolves around monsters or giants. Um, that is something that you have to kind of look closely at. Uh, a couple of them call out giants in particular. Um, and if you're going to encourage wanting to run a bunch of giants or monsters, it really is going to handicap the, your activation count um, and again like I said you're paying for your commander in that scenario so not only do you have to pay 9 points for your commander he's giving you a deck that's weaker that then requires you to run more expensive units um, so I don't know um, again I, I think it would be perfect if he was 8 points and then had a minus 2 as the commander. Like, I guess they could just say six points, you know, in the, the red circle. Wouldn't even have to, like, say minus two. Um, and I think uh, you would see him a lot more. Now I think you're going to have a, a lot of people when it first comes out. You have tons of people trying it out just to have fun. But they're going to quickly find that it, it just 
doesn't play to the way the faction really needs you to play to be super successful. Now, again, I, I this is all speaking just from my opinion. Um, and we'll kind of see if I'm wrong, but what's uh, your kind of final thoughts on the deck here? I see a lot of good situational cards, which unfortunately brings in the problem of, well, if you're not in that situation, the card's not very good. Um, the only, I would say, bad one, I, I personally do not like Trample at all. Uh, it's basically the Trample rule for the Mammoths, which isn't very good anymore, and this is just it again. Uh, not not happy with that, but okay. Uh, a lot of situational cards. I think this is an interesting deck, but I would have to play against it to actually know is it any actual if it's actually good or bad. Uh, I am interested to do that at some point, though. Yeah, and I almost feel like you might have to play it like super aggressive, just just run everything at your opponent. Don't even care about the objectives. Try to capitalize on, you know, like the hurl boulder and the trample and, you know, the um, maybe getting multiple attacks with uh, with chieftain's orders. Like if you attack with one giant and then four like forego mags attack so that you can like just finish a unit off if possible. Um, so I mean, there definitely could be some potential. But uh, I don't know, we'll have to see. Um, next up, we'll talk about the other thing that has been going around quite a bit, and that's the Drogo's Blood Riders. Uh, so they are an eight-point unit that may only be fielded in an army with Kel Drogo, and he must be attached to them. They're a six-move with a three-up, uh, or seven-six with a three-up to hit. Uh, three up defense, five up morale. They have the order war cry. They have the cavalry uh, innate abilities, and they have fueled by slaughter. After this unit completes a melee attack, the defender suffered any wounds. That unit, this unit, restores one wound plus one additional wound for each of the defender's destroy, uh, destroyed ranks. Now, um, let's see. Uh, before we go to the attachments, like individuals, I just want to point out that um, so you'll have Drogo as one of the models, and you'll have three of the Blood Riders, and that's uh, and it says it on the back because uh, they say may not be fielded in an army that includes Drogo's Blood Riders, but uh, Rekharo, uh, uh, he's the only one that does not have that stipulation, implying that he is the one Blood Rider that. Um, you don't put in the tray, but I guess technically if you don't run his attachment, you could put him in the tray if you just like his sculpt better, because, I mean, he's still a blood rider. Um, but with that said, uh, Drogo, uh, for context, uh, as commander, because you can't run him in any other fashion, uh, he has Iron Resolve, so you're essentially, because he has to go in this unit, um, and you can't run this unit without him, they have a three up defense and a four up morale with a minus one to damage. And he has expert duelist. Uh, and this unit is eight points. I know this unit has to have Drogo. You can only have one of it. But man, I think these guys need to be nine points. Um, fueled by slaughter. 
you know, I thought it was just a pretty good ability when I was playing around with it on Sandor Clegane, but ever since I've been playing uh, Greyjoys and being able to run Warsworns and everything I want, Fueled by Slaughter is another one of those abilities, in my opinion, that's like top five abilities in this game. Um, and to give it to this unit is just insane. Um, combined with, you know, running uh, Mopatis and... Tycho, I mean, you're going to basically ensure this unit never dies ever, no matter what you do, especially if you attach, uh, is it Blood of the Dragon? What's the one? Do you know what one is the attached at the start of the game, and if you a unit dies, whatever? Blood of the Dragon. You get minus Blood of the Dragon. So you get minus one to damage for panic. So if you can get that on them, you're looking at a three-up save with a fort morale with minus two to damage on failed panics, and plenty of ways to run things to make sure this unit never, ever dies, and it has plenty of offensive potential with Drogo that you're just going to be zipping everywhere with this, like, Death Star that you are not even scared that you're going to lose. Like, not lose the game, but, you know, lose the unit. Yeah, um, that's kind of my impression. As the person who's been on the receiving end of a lot of your fueled by slaughter Greyjoys, I don't even think you need Mopatis or Tycho. This unit just might not die. Uh, it's so fast that range units are not going to get more than one shot on them before they get engaged. Uh, you said fueled by slaughter is a top five ability. It might be, I think, the fifth one. But most people would, I think, agree Warcry might be the top two abilities. <laughs> um, and you put them both on the one unit. Um, uh, this unit yeah, doesn't I'm, I'm really degrade. Morale unit too. Yeah, and this unit doesn't really degrade. There are seven up, six up. I think the three up armor puts them over the top. That makes them really, really unkillable. Three up armor, four up morale, minus one to panic damage, and fueled by slaughter. This unit's not going to die. This this is an eight point unit that you will not see die very often. Uh, it would pretty yep. much have to get targeted by auto wound effects to kill it. Uh, and you'd have to have Thundering. Yeah, uh, this this is a nine-point unit that is being run as eight points. It probably needs to take a nerf. Uh, hopefully, Simon will figure that out. Uh, data, hopefully the data will show that. But yeah, this this is going to be, not only is it going to be a unit that you that Keldrogo uh, has to go in, it's a unit you want to put Keldrogo in. It won't die. Uh, Keldrogo well, will it, murder things. And it's already pretty wildly known, you know, it's pretty much uh, Mother, Dragons, and Drogo. Or like, if you're running a tournament, those are the two you're basically running as your two-list format. Sometimes you might be like, okay, I want to run Grey Worm in there instead of one of the two. But Which now, means, with this, you're yeah. basically solidifying Drogo and Mother Dragons. Which is unfortunate because Targaryen actually have a lot of good ones. Other commanders, yeah. Grey Worm is no, exactly. you know, has been noticed. I like Jorah except for his commander, um, but his cards I like. Uh, I like Belwas. I don't like Selmy, but I feel like because he just doesn't vibe very well with Targaryens. Uh, Queen of Marine is really fun to use, but yeah, competitively, I think you're only going to see Mother of Dragons and Keldrogo. That's it. There's no reason to run anything else unless you want to run 
Grey Worm because you don't want to be that guy with Mother of Dragons or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I don't know. These guys look so cool. Uh, before I, you know, I'll jump into their attachments real quick. So, we got uh, Ricaro. He's the one that you can run even if you're running the Blood Rider unit. Um, he is, all four of them are two points. So, he is um, the uh, innate ability Blood Rider. This unit cannot become weakened, which all four of them have. And he gives Sentinel and Elusive Escape. That one's the, this unit may reroll retreat distance dice and enemies uh, and disengage from may not pivot and become weakened. Um, I think, uh, I mean, granted, if you're running Blood Riders at eight, uh, it'll be a pretty hefty elite list, but Ricaro and Vets could be crazy, like, strong um, with that Sentinel order to get up close and then free maneuver and shot charge, uh, free retreat, elusive escape, weaken, um, it, it could get pretty crazy pretty fast. Granted, you're looking at 10 points right there. But um, Next is uh, Quartho. Uh, again, Blood Rider can't be weakened. Intimidating presence and prey on fear. So uh, prey on fear is that each time this unit Enemy, each time an enemy engaged with this unit fails panic test, the ear restores two wounds. And of course, intimidating presence. Um, personally, I don't know, both those abilities are amazing, but screamers at eight points with those, I mean, can't be weakened. I, I guess I could see it. Because um, then now you have some built in uh, healing. Again, you can't run this one if, uh, or the next two that we'll talk about if you're going to run the Blood Riders, but. Um, I think this one's pretty good. Uh, Koholo, uh, I'm probably going to butcher all these names. Koholo, uh, again, Blood Rider, can't be weakened, uh, and he has battle scars, I believe, exactly the same as uh, Belawas. Yeah, uh, Belawas attachment. It, yep. Every time the unit is attacked with melee attack, gain uh, following based on tokens. Get a token every time you're attacked. Melee. First one is vicious. Second one's thundering, and the last one is this attack. Uh, always attack, rolling its highest attack to die value. It may reroll, and it all does stack. Um, two points. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't think I'm going to be okay. running unless I'm going to put this on some flayed men who are super defensive. Or I shouldn't say super defensive, but really defensive for a cavalry unit. Uh, I would think that. You think they're you defensive can get enough to last? Possibly. I mean, a five-up, five-up is not that bad, really. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe if you really wanted to, you could do a Hedge Knights. They they could be yeah. a little survivable, but they already have Sundering. Um, I guess if you really want to be crazy, you could put them on Zorse Riders. <laughs> Uh, I yeah, wouldn't recommend run it though. Run Tycho and heal him up. Just six point investment to try to get the battle scars off. But I think more more than likely his go to would be Flayed Men just for the survivability because you want the battle scars in a more defensive unit to make sure that they can still be around to see those uh, abilities. And then the last one is Hago. Uh, again, Blood Rider can't be weakened, and he has the order to the last. 
when this unit would be destroyed, this unit performs one morale test, and its success is not destroyed, but remains in play with one wound, and then becomes panicked and uh, vulnerable. Um, pretty decent, only because, you know, you're putting it in almost any case really good morale units. Uh, so it could be quite annoying. Uh, just don't personally I don't think I would play. do it. Yeah. yeah. I think maybe vets, just because you're trying to keep them alive for as long as possible. But that's yep. about it. Yeah, I mean, can't be weekend is a big deal. So, I mean, I shouldn't say never, but you have these other three options, which I think are all I know I think the first two are easily better. But I, I was going to say, I think the first two are easily better. I don't know if he's better than the third one, though. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if he's worse than the third one. I, I, I think that one's kind of a flip toss. But I think the Rakharo and Kotho, they're better than him. Yeah. So, overall, Blood Riders, amazing sculpts. Uh, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they do with them. Uh, but, all right, let's see. What do we got? We will talk about the Clegane Brigands. So, unfortunately, they were revealed as a 7-point unit. They have a 6-up move, 7-5 with a 3-up to hit, a 5-up defense, and 7-up morale. They have the Calvary uh, innate special rules, and they have brutal armaments, which gives them vicious, and the defender suffers plus 1 wound from failing panic tests for each of the uh, defender's uh, destroyed ranks. So, or wait, so from from this attack for each of its destroyed ranks. Defender, yeah, so it's plus one wound for each of the defender's destroyed ranks. So similar to the Mountain's Men in the sense that they want to attack things that have already lost ranks. Again, seven points for this unit is just, it's too much because it's a support unit in the same way that I mentioned that Mountains men are a support unit. Mountains men are a support unit. Anytime you need your abilities to go off on a unit that has less ranks than you, not even equal, but less, um, or in this case, destroyed ranks, they're a support unit. They need to come in after a unit has already been engaged. Now, granted, this is a cavalry unit, so they have a little bit better chance, but at seven points, that means your chunk of the field elsewhere that you're kind of down on manpower while these guys are, you know, trying to double-team another unit. And that's assuming your opponent doesn't have their own cavalry or ranged unit that's just going to shoot you up. But for seven points, I just don't feel like they hit hard enough or are defensive enough to justify that point cost. What do you think, Spence? So I'm in a different boat. I look at this and I go, I think it's good enough for seven points but it is on the lower scale of that seven points. I think at six points, this would be way too good. Seven points, I think it's a low-spectrum seven-point unit. Uh, I do wish instead what they had done is given it a four-up armor, and then it would have been a solid seven points. Uh, even looking at the model or the picture, I'm like, that looks like it's got plenty of armor on it. It probably should have been a four-up armor anyway. Um, but yeah. that being said, I, I, I'm not against what it does. I like it, and I do think if it had a four-up armor, you could send it in by itself against maybe a softer, not a weakened target, but maybe a five- or six-point unit that's not as durable. I think it could have one-on-one taken care of them. 
um, if it had a four-up armor. I think the five-up armor is very limiting to it. Like you said, you do kind of need the unit to be a little softened up before it runs in. But I also do look at it and I go, if you take out even one rank and then you combine this with, like, Hear Me Roar, that's still going to do some major damage to stuff. Uh, yep. So I, I see, like I said, I, I see it as a low-spectrum seven-point unit. It's, it is seven points. It did need a slight buff. Like I said, I think the armor would have been where I would have done it. Uh, otherwise, though, I think it's perfectly fine, and it fits the Lannister theme of let's do more panic shenanigans. Yeah. I mean, as everyone knows, I'm going to be buying all this stuff, so I'm going to definitely give everything a really good playthrough and really try to play through. So this is really just our initial thoughts. Some of it I've playtested a little, but uh, I try not to proxy too much. Um, but yeah, so we'll see. Uh, next up is your favorite, uh, the Thornwatch Sent, or I keep wanting to say Sentinel, but that's the uh, attachment. attachment. So the Thornwatch, seven points, Renly Baratheon loyalty. They are a six move, um, a stat that I can't see. Uh, Three up to hit at range, short range, six six four. Uh, close combat is four up to hit with a seven five four. Five up armor, six up morale. Their ranged attack is thundering. They have swift strike, so after this unit performs, it, uh, has completed a melee attack, it gets a free retreat, and then regroup. After completing a retreat action, this unit restores two wounds plus one wound for each of its destroyed ranks. Do you want me to just go ahead? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Let's, let's so, see what you think. I know you're going to go ahead and buy one, but let me deal with the frustration of playing with it. Don't even bother. Uh, this unit, I don't know what to do with it. Uh, for seven points, it's trying to do a mixed roll, and it's not going to do it very well. Uh, it's not durable. I mean, it is durable with the retreat and healing. The problem is you can't keep retreating. This is a very much board control game. You keep retreating. You're not probably. You're not really doing much. Um, Short-range crossbow, uh, it, you're rarely going to use that with it being short-ranged and no way to trigger it for free. Uh, I have ideas of what I could do with this unit, but all of them pretty much require me to put the commander in this unit, and this unit is not very survivable. Um like I said, it kind of is, but it's not going to be survivable while being in the position I need it to be in. Uh, well, and it's different than Rob, you know, because you're mentioning you can't keep retreating. You can if the retreat effect and then healing is reactive. The fact that you have to be the one attacking to trigger this combo does not work nearly as well as, let's say, because I love putting Rob in trackers, uh, granted, for in trackers. Swift retreat. Yeah, so you attack me or and not I go, Swiss okay, retreat. I... Sorry, uh, no, it is Swiss Retreat. This is Swiss Strike. Why yeah. do y'all have Swiss and in you att- Anyway. Yeah, you attack me and I retreat and then I heal and I haven't activated yet. You know, that's different than you having to attack your opponent then retreating just to then have them recharge you uh, in a lot of cases because Baratheons um, have 
a little bit more of a difficult time keeping up with some factions with activations because you only good uh, cheap activation is well you don't even have any if we're talking Runly here because nope. you don't have the Stagnite Noble. So, so yeah, I think no, I'm, like I'm, you said, the, this, go this ahead. unit I I just I struggle to find a place because I go, what is this role supposed to be for this unit? Is this supposed to be a range shooting unit? I'd rather have Stormcrow Archers for one point cheaper and being long range. Is it supposed to be a multi-role unit? I'd rather have Bastard Girls for the exact same point. I I struggle to see where the role for this unit is. <laughs> and it's frustrating. Yeah. Because this seems and, to happen a lot with Baratheon. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of the problem. Like That seven point is such a weird uh, point cost for a lot of things. And Renly side and Stannis side. I think these guys do have a lot of potential. I think just I feel like they just are a mi- uh, uh, like a mash of all these things that they want to do but are not really going to um, do any of them spectacularly. Uh, and as you, I think you mentioned before, you know, they're crossbowmen but they don't have any re-rolls for being in short range. Or I mean, I granted range. they're they're the well, yeah, first they don't crossbow have, that's not long range in the game. <laughs> and still don't have the rerolls for being within, I mean, granted it's their max range, but you could even say if you're within three inches or something, you get rerolls. I don't care. That if I had is, to be that close, know, I don't think it would matter. <laughs> At that point, I'm better <laughs> off just charging swift retreat or swift striking and re-healing off of it. Uh, yeah. I, I also don't understand why... This profile seems aimed to being melee, to do the swift strike and then retreat. Why are they hitting on fours in melee? And it's just... It, and sundering for ranged. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem to mesh well. Like you said, it seems to be a hodgepodge of things that they wanted to do with this unit, but they don't mesh very well together. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I have ideas of how to use them, but I think every single idea I had so far is I have to put my commander in them to make them useful. Uh, you yeah. could put the Thornwatch Sentinel in them. I think it would be really good. But now it's an eight-point unit. Uh, if these guys were six, six points, I think then you could make the argument of, okay, with the Thornwatch Sentinel, now they are a seven-point unit. They still would struggle to find a role, but they would really, really benefit from it, uh, from a one-point attack. Because yeah. then you could even put the uh, Spear Captain to give them boldness and courage for, and have them at seven points. Like, you... You could have done things with that, but I, at seven points, I see their options as very limited, and I'm not quite sure what they're supposed to do for my faction. Yeah. Oh, we'll have to see. Um, all right, next up, uh, this one, a lot of debates about with people online. Um, on paper, these guys look awesome. I'm telling, I'm telling everyone, I'm telling you, they're not that great. Uh, and that is the House Karstark Spearmen. They were revealed at six points. They have a five move, uh, seven, seven, four with a four up to hit, a four up defense, and a six up morale. They have stand your ground. Each time an enemy forms a melee attack on this unit, if it's only engaged with one enemy, that enemy does not gain charge like a rear bonuses. And then they have bulwark formation. If, you, if this unit has not performed an, uh, an action this round, it gains plus two to defense dice rolls. Now, yes, uh, 
if you're playing someone who is not like top tier player and just kind of more of an average player uh, or, you know, worse, these guys for six points are going to be awesome. But I'm telling you, you play anyone uh, who has equal or more activations than you that is a really good player and you are never going to, you're going to be forced into the scenario that you're either going to have to activate and choose to do nothing, meaning you are never attacking with this unit ever, or you have to then attack and lose your bonus. Your opponent is going to just be able to outweigh this unit to get by their plus two defense, or they just attack you, and if they take out a single rank while you're sitting on an objective, you are no longer controlling that objective. They just have to do four wounds. Really, they only have to do one wound and then hope you epic fail your panic and lose three more. Uh, I don't know. Or if they're Lannisters or Free Folk that can soup up the panic test anyway. Yep. Or you have something that can turn off their uh, bulwark formation ability. Uh, and it's any action. It's not even when you activate or anything. So you can't even like take the tactics board and get a free maneuver or uh, free attack. Uh, guys have so much potential, but because of the way it's it's worded, at six points, easy, hands down, in all situations, I take Tully Sworn Shields, every scenario. The reason being is some people pointed out they they move five. That would, I think, be a little more impactful in 1.6, in one point, or in 2021 with the way objectives are preset and with deployments. Uh, getting on the objective, let's say if it's a five objective mission with you know the four corners and one in the center. Uh, yes, a five movement unit can get onto the objective first turn with a march. It doesn't matter. First turn with a march, you don't score first turn. Um, so that means that in the scenario with five objectives, the four movement gets there just as well um, as the five movement. Now, in a three objective where they're all, you know, one in the middle and two uh, and to the sides of those, like Dance with Dragons, again, both the five move and the six, uh, four move take exactly two marches to get there. Uh, not exactly two marches, but essentially you're going to have to spend the same number of rounds doing the same things to get on those objectives fully or to touch them, uh, to grab them. So you're not even winning in that uh, sense of it either. Um, Tullys, I believe, are like seven, six, four. So you, you do lose a die at one die at second rank. I think they're but six, Tullys five, are. Four. Oh, are they? I think so. I'm okay. checking right now. Okay. While you do that, um, Tully Sworn Shields have a three-up defense all the time. Uh, I mean, granted, you could have Sundering or something, but, I mean, they don't have to rely on, like, bulwark formation. And six You're correct. Round. They're 7-5-4. Okay. Well, I thought they were 7-6-4, but still. Yeah. So no, they, they lose two dice two die. So that is something, I suppose. Uh, but the uh, other thing is they have stubborn tenacity and shield wall. 
So a three-up save with shield wall. Granted, shield wall is in order. Bulwark formation is not. But like I said, if your opponent has more activations than you, they automatically can bypass bulwark formation. Even if you have multiple uh, guys, they can potentially force you into one or the other. Let's say you have two of these. You'll have to activate one of them. And then they just activate the unit that's across from that one, force you to then activate the last one. So, and then, uh, but shield wall with a three-up save, and then you pass that six-up morale and you're passively dealing a wound with the stubborn tenacity. Stand your ground, again, against, let's say, Free Folk or Greyjoys, where they have so many units, they're going to easily be able to bypass Stand Your Ground by getting multiple enemies engaged. And that's the other thing. Night's Watch, they got plenty of activations. Yep, that too. Um, These guys, if reworded and reworked a bit, they'd be fine. But as is, because there's so many ways around them, they have to be five points. And that's just because you're going to be put in that scenario where you either never attack with these guys or you want a two-up, six-up. Um, and, you know, I'd rather just see them reworked because uh, I think, you know, I mean, I guess I, would, I wouldn't mind them being five points because Stark Sworn Swords, I just, when you compare them to, like, Stormcrow Mercenaries, it just kind of sad that Stormcrow Mercenaries are a neutral unit, and they're by far, in my opinion, way better than Stark Sworn Swords, because they're basically identical in stats. You just ask yourself, would you rather have one more morale and Stark Fury, or motivated by coin and any one-point attachment you can think of for Starks, or even neutrals, I guess. So, anyways, back to Spearmen. They look awesome, awesome models. Uh, I just, I think people are overestimating this bulwark formation. So, I'm going to agree with you that I think Sworn Shields are more consistent and better overall. I do wish bulwark formation was maybe when the unit activates, it loses the the two save rather than any action. So, this way you could still do free actions without losing it. Yeah. That being said, I think at five points, it would literally straight up replace Sworn Swords. Because, like you said, Sworn Swords sworn swords are not that good. Uh, but they're already replaced. <laughs> they are, but you have to replace them with a neutral unit, which sometimes you don't want to do. Uh, I, I would like to see a buff to Sworn Swords anyway, but I do think at five points, this unit would possibly be too good for five points. Um. No, yeah, would it would like, have to be reworked yeah. either way. I would almost like, rather unit... see I would rather see it either, like you said, reworked to be five points to, to fit a five-point unit instead while reworking Sworn Swords because they should be better anyway, or switching Bulwark Formation to make it actually be a six-point unit. Right now it's kind of more of like five-and-a-half-ish, <laughs> and you're, yeah. you're going to take other options before that. Yeah, personally, yeah, I think whether or not you keep them at six points or make them to five points, it would have to be reworked. Um, but, I'm, I mean, I could be wrong. We'll see. But I'm, I'm telling you, that's what's going to happen is people are just going to outweigh their ability and 
like I said, if you weren't actively attacking with these guys, I know they don't have some amazing attack profile, but if you aren't attacking with them and you're just getting attacked back uh, by someone trying to keep that two-up save, you're just going to lose guys, lose ranks, and then the whole point of them just sitting on objectives, not attacking to get the defense, is going to be all moot because you're not going to be controlling the objective. So uh, we'll see if I'm wrong. Um, time will tell. Last up we have, and I saved it for last because they were the things I was absolutely the most excited for until I saw the point cost. That is the silenced men. Uh, everyone, I sure everyone knows by now Greyjoys are like my new favorite faction I play them all the time I absolutely love the way they've been des uh, designed Silence, uh, my favorite unit the Reapers uh, unfortunately I think are probably the weakest unit but they just look so cool and I like the idea behind them and when I saw the Silence Men before the point cost I was like this is perfect this is the unit that's going to make the Reapers just shine uh, and I just, I was convinced Silence Men were going to be six points. But uh, they were revealed at seven. They have a five move, uh, seven, five, four with a three up to hit, a five up defense, five up morale. They have Sundering, uh, and they have the Silenced Infamy, um, which goes off of their pillage mechanic. Uh, the unit, this unit suffers minus one wound from failing panic tests for each pillage token on this unit. And while in short range, Enemies suffer minus one morale test uh, rolls for each pillage token on this unit. So, um, it is fairly defensible. Uh, if you can get two pillage token on them, you know, you're looking at uh, a five up morale with minus two to the damage. So, you really, you really are going to have to just punch through these guys with sheer dice. But they have a five up save. Now, granted, Greyjoys do have a lot of healing. Um, so I think these guys will be moderately defensive. The Sundering does give them a nice offensive punch, but uh, going from 7-5-4 is pretty drastic for a 7-point unit. Um, Especially when so, re uh, Reavers are 7-6-4 for 5 points. Exactly. Um, so these guys do have the defensive... Like, these guys are like kind of a jack-of-all-trades in the sense that they do have a, a decent punch, they have a decent defensiveness with that morale, and they have that support ability with that, uh, like, panic or uh, vicious on a stick. Now, assuming, again, you get pillage tokens on them, but this is something I don't know if I've said on the, on the show yet, but... Um, and I know, Spencer, you can kind of, like, uh, back me up on, like, how I play the Greyjoys. I don't really run Ironmakers. I know it's, like, a lot of people's go-to, you know, Asha Commander in Ironmakers, Carl, and then just run that unit, and then you build off of that, and that's, like, the you stepping stone from there. Personally, I think Ironmakers are a trap. And the reason I think they're a trap is that obligated to run Ironmaker NCU, um, and then you're obligated to spend his both of his tokens turning them into a two-up save, five-up morale, or at least a three-up save, five-up morale. Um, 
I think that's a trap. I think you're pigeonholed into doing that, and it takes away from a lot of the crazy explosive offensiveness of the Greyjoys. And now I think um, these silencemen at seven points are another trap. You're going to want to get those pillage tokens on them fast, and not just by charging in and attacking and hoping you get them that way. You're going to want to expend Iron Maker's uh, tokens on them. In my opinion, the absolute best way to spend Iron Maker's to- uh, pillage tokens is by putting one on a Reaver unit round one and the other one round two on a different Reaver unit. Because Reavers starting the game hitting on threes, when they charge in, they're getting another token. So, and now you're basically starting the game almost essentially with two tokens on Reaver units. I almost think that is like a must, because uh, then from there, it just helps you really fuel your pillage mechanic cards that require you to expend them. Um, and Silence Man at seven points, you're you're kind of, I wouldn't say forced, but you're like, it really wants you to put those pillage on this unit in order to really start getting that uh, that bubble, when you really you probably should be spending it elsewhere. Uh, what do you think about these guys? So I didn't see them at six points. I saw them as a seven-point unit. I do see them as kind of a weak seven-point unit, though. Uh, I like what they want to do. They just don't do it very. Eff- I, I won't. I don't want to say it very effectively. But for seven points, I feel like they needed a little more. Uh, I think the other problem is, for Greyjoys in general, Reaper or Reavers are just really good for five points. Like, borderline too good for five points. Uh, I think their profile is the problem. They should have been a 7-5-4. And then Reapers and Silencemen should have been the 7-6-4. Um, that's just a lot of attacks on a five-point unit that's consistent. Um, yeah, I, I can see the trap problem. Uh, you do at least want to get one token on them quickly. Uh, I'm not even quite sure where you could buff them to make them worth the seven points. I still just look at them, though, and I go, this is too good for six points. Uh, like you said, this combining with Reapers could make Reapers incredibly good. Uh, Reapers could suddenly jump into an MVP conversation with one of these guys nearby. Um, it's like, I, this isn't enough for seven points in my opinion, uh, maybe as a one of just to kind of buff even Reaver attacks to be like, okay, they basically have vicious as well. Thundering on top of their five points. Um, well, I will kind of say how, that, Oh, good fish. I was gonna say that's kind of how I see them being run. I don't see them being run with reapers, which is what I think their intent was to be with. I see them being with reapers to basically give a pseudo vicious to the reapers. Uh, they're more durable than the other units. Uh, they don't have the trap. I don't think you don't have to have a commander in them, uh, or even an attachment. I think they're fine on their own. Uh, yeah. Will they do enough to be worthy of the seven points? I think that one's going to be a remain to be seen for me. Uh, I'm I'm on the fence for them. I just I don't know if that I don't see you dropping them to six points without making tweaks to their to their uh, to what they are. 
but they do need a buff if they're going to stay at seven points as well. And with saying this, there is definitely some outlier scenarios where these guys at seven points could be really good and useful. Um, like these guys are the like if you get assuming you get to pillage on them, are like the bane to uh, guardsmen. You know, Lannister supremacy. I mean, you're charging them uh, probably, even though they have that three up uh, defense. You know, you have that sundering. Um, you are assuming you have the two pillage. You are now making their seven up morale and a nine up morale, um, and you're really going to punch through them. <clears throat> They're going to try to hit you back with Lannister supremacy. That's now going to be at minus two uh, uh, damage, and not really going to hurt you as much as they're hoping. And that's even if you fail, because you do still have a pretty good morale, even if they have some minuses on them. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, like you were saying, they definitely don't need a commander or any attachment, kind of the way Iron Makers, I feel like they kind of do. Uh, but with that said, I think other w- another way that you can really make these guys worth it is uh, running them with... Um, a commander, in particular Balon or uh, Euron. So Euron is like the one that everyone was immediately went to is like Euron because Euron has the ability to shut off opponents' abilities, um, and if you're engaged with them, they have intimidating presence, and uh, or he does, and then minus two, so you could be doing it at a minus three, plus one for every destroyed rank your opponent has, um, and shut off ability you know, ability of a unit all game. Now, personally, I absolutely love Balon, and throwing Balon in there, he can give them Fueled by Slaughter, which will help them heal up, uh, make them super defensive, and he gives Iron Resolve meaning you're going to be a four-up morale, and assuming you have two pillage on them, minus three damage. I mean, with Field by Slaughter and that five-up defense, I mean, this unit's going to be really hard to kill. So, but we'll end it there because we're down to our last uh, minute and a half of the show. Um, You know, overall... Most of all this stuff, I think a lot of it for me is just the point costs. Um, Just barely too little or barely too much one way or the other. Um, All of the models for all the units look awesome. Uh, Silencemen I cannot wait to get and start painting. Um, You know, I'm buying at least two of them. Uh, Hopefully maybe they go down to six points, even if they have to nerf them a little bit at six points, I'd be okay with that too. I'll probably buy like a third one just because how awesome they look. Um, But yeah, with that said, guys, uh, I am still out and about doing stuff uh, for the hurricane, but any chance I get, I'm going to try to do some more shows for you guys, you know, because I could be gone for like a month or so. So I definitely don't want to, you know, leave a whole month with no content for you guys. So uh, just stay tuned. It might be kind of sporadic, kind of like this one was. It just depends on when I got some free time. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Spencer, for uh, coming on tonight. No problem. All right, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for listening in. This is Small Council Radio, and it is dismissed. <laughs>